Amen, amen, and amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What an appropriate song. What appropriate song. I, I was like, what song are they going to sing? But they began to talk about the lion, the lion of Judah. I was like, man, this is so good. This is so good. Well, good morning, Sterling Kurt. Uh, uh, college. My name is uh, Stephen Bishop. And before I go any further, I just want to thank the people that made it possible for me to come all this way today. Um, though the um, way of, by way of which I came is unconventional, it was very intentional in the reason why and how I got here. And so I just want to thank everyone for ma- who made it possible for me to come. They told me I, I only had 25 minutes and that's okay because I'm gonna allow the Holy Spirit to orchestrate what is gonna be said today, and I want you to sit back and listen. Now, I'm gonna make a couple statements, and when, the way that I preach, sometimes I just make these statements because I think that they're very important. When you're trying to look for something to grasp on and something to say, what is he trying to say? I'm gonna make a statement, and that statement will be something you go, oh, I get it. I get what he's trying to say, okay? So anyway, with that, I want to, um, I'm sure that they'll put it up on the board. The anchor, guys' anchor scripture for this year, for 2021, is steadfast love of the Lord. And mine's a different version, but it says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is our faithfulness. My, my goal today is that I would decrease and Christ would increase and that you would know that anything that I say today is not on my own behalf, but it's for him to be larger and for me to be smaller. If if we didn't do anything and we don't do anything in these 25 or less minutes is that I want to magnify how large he is because when our focus is on him, he's our plumb line, then all the other small things start to go away. Amen? Can I get an amen? Now, let me ask this. Are you guys participatory or are you just going to be quiet? Just let me know. I, I need to know now before we get started. So can I get an amen? amen. Can I get one more amen? amen? So if I if I say, hey, would you say this? And I say, grounded, would you say grounded? If I say anchored, would you say anchored? This is participation. Don't worry, the grade is not reflective on that. I'm just saying. Hey, listen, I can be everything that you need me to be today, or I can be nothing to you. You can be in here and check a box and go away, but there's this law called the law of expectation. And the law of expectation says that I'm coming in here to receive something, but I can't receive anything unless I'm expecting to receive something, amen? So if you've come in here and you go, well, I just wanna get this over with, then I'm gonna tell you this, lean back, to spend 25 minutes and relax your eyes and be that way. But if those who came to receive a package, you will get that package from the Holy Spirit if you would just hang on and listen for just a little bit. Amen? Amen. So a quick intro of who I am. My name is Stephen Bishop. Bishop is my last name. It's not my title. I'm married to an awesome woman. Her name is Sarah. I've got two beautiful children. One, a recent college graduate. Her name is Zoe. And then I've got a 22-year-old who is uh, down at OU about to graduate this year. I spent 24 years in the Air Force, in the Armed Forces, and uh, my time. And shortly after spending 24 years in the service, I worked 
for a car dealership actually selling cars. And one of the things that the Lord told me when I came out of the military, I thought that I was going to go right into pastoring a church, but the Lord spoke to me clearly and he said this. He says, Stephen, it's easy to love those who love you, but it's hard to love those who don't love you. You have more growing to do. And let me tell you something, when you work in a car dealership, you are in between the guy who's wanting the car and the car, he doesn't like you. He or she does not like you. They're probably the most unliked people in the dealership. But I learned something, that if I could form a, a relationship where I could connect with them, then everything changed. And through that process, I learned so much from the Lord. It's an unorthodox way to learn, but I'm telling you, the Lord wastes nothing. He doesn't waste one experience that you you've gotten or what you've had or why even that you're here. The Lord knew that you were going to be here today. Nothing in this world is coincidence. It's all a setup. If you read in Psalms 139, he wrote a book about you before you uh, were ever formed in your mother's womb. You were eternal before you were temporal. He thrusted you into this world to solve a problem, to solve a problem. He created you in your image and only you we'll be able to solve that problem. So we don't have to compare ourselves to anybody. We're bad all by ourselves. Can I get an amen? We are bad all by ourselves. You're the only one. You're so uniquely made that only you can fit in that puzzle piece to do the thing that he created you to do. So if you would sit back with me for a little bit, I will um, go through a few things that I feel like the Lord wants to share with you today. Um, the first thing that I want to say is that um, the Lord's voice in this last season or this last era is about to increase. And so you must have ears to hear what the Lord is saying during this time frame. And that means that you're gonna have to step into a level of intimacy with the Lord like you've never stepped in before. You can hear someone speaking. You can hear ultimately people talking on the radio, TV, and stuff like that. But are you hearing what the Lord is saying in this hour? We talked a little bit about COVID-19 and how COVID-19 basically did two things. It covered your mouth so that you weren't unable to speak and it also separated families, which goes against unity. God wants us unified. We are better together. So when you see the enemy working, you're like, okay, I see he's trying to separate us and he's trying to cover our mouth, which means that when we think about that, we should be doing the opposite. We should be coming together. We should be speaking the mighty things of the Lord. Amen? Amen. So can I ask you a question? Why did you even get up this morning? Yeah, think about it. Some people were laughing. Why did you even get up? Ah, because Pastor Stephen, it was just something that I have to do. What is the cause? What is the reason why you got up? Most people got up for a reason. I just want you to think about it. I'm going to ask a couple of questions. I want you to uh, marinate them in your head. I know that a couple of you are, 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 are just in here, um, not just, you're not in college because you had to go to college. You're in college because you wanted a higher education. Something told you you wanted to go higher. So you're just not here for by coincidence. You're here because you have believed in, or I hope by now you've believed in, I need something from them. They need something from me. I, um, I wrote this statement down. Without a cause or trajectory, you will, you will be led astray and you will fall for anything. 
you will fall for anything. If the trajectory is not set and you're, you're heading towards the cause and you're just wandering around, someone can come in here and say something to you and you can just fall for anything. I asked my daughter, uh, my daughter, her name is Zoe. I said, Zoe, I want to ask you something. And it's a serious question. She's a recent college grad. And I said, what do you think the most lethal thing in the earth is today? And she thought about it. And she said, dad, I, I don't know. I said, the most lethal, lethal thing in the earth today is a millennial with a cause. Is a millennial with a cause. And if you watch TV, when a millennial gets on board with a cause, you can't stop them. They all show up at the same time and they all begin to engage what the cause is because they believe in what's happening. But can I suggest to you, there's actually ultimately only one cause. It's the cause of Jesus Christ. So when I made the statement about if you don't know what the trajectory or the cause is, you could fall for anything. When you forget, when you don't forget what the, um, when you forget what the cause is, I don't know what that is. I thought, I thought everything was silent there. Um, if you forget what the cause is, like I said, you will fall for anything. So we understand that the ultimate cause is Jesus Christ. So how many of you are familiar with Joshua? Can I get, can I, can I get, just get a raise of hand? Raise the hand. Joshua, let's go to Joshua chapter five. Something happens in Joshua chapter five that I want to bring home or drive home into uh, the point that I want to make. We're in Joshua ch chapter five. The setup is the commander showed up on the scene to check on his army and he reminded them the cause. He told them, I didn't come to take sides of the black person, the white person, the rich, the poor, the Democrat or the Republic. I'm just bringing it into the, I'm just bringing it into 2021. I didn't come to take a party side or a race side or anything. I came to take over. And so when we understand the cause, we can now rise above what we think is, the, is, the, is a, a democratic or Republican or a black or a white issue. We can say this, we can say, oh, I know the cause is Jesus Christ. If you are familiar with Colossians 3.11, and we don't have to put it up there, but he, it, to paraphrase, it goes something like this. Your race, your ethnicity, your economic status, those things matter not. When we think about it, when we start to engage in our lives, we have to look at it as if, Lord, if you're the cause and you're the answer and you're for me and not against me, then I need to really lay into what the cause is. And when you figure out what the cause is, you'll be able to see past all of the clutter, all of the words, all of the propaganda, and see that Jesus Christ is the cause. And, and it'll make you have so much peace in your life. Amen? Can I get an amen? So we finish, and we're in Joshua uh, chapter five. I didn't forget. We're at verse 13, and I'll read it. It says, it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he had lifted up his eyes and he looked, and behold, a man, that's a capital M, stood opposite of him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him, and he said, listen to this line, are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, No. 
See, one of the issues that we have is that every time we go somewhere, we think it's either us or them. We're either that side or we're this side. We need to choose this or we need to choose that. But let me tell you something. When you choose Jesus Christ, it's very clear. It's very clear. It's like, Lord, you orchestrating this. He goes, hey, this is a setup of the enemy. What did I say? And when we look to the cause of Jesus Christ, when we look in that, uh, we know the cause of Jesus Christ, we are not easily duped by what the enemy would want to go smoke and mirrors. He said, no, no, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and he worshiped and he said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandals off your foot for the place you stand is holy. And Joshua did so, a quick transition. A man named Abraham Lincoln, who you might know as one of the greatest presidents, once said this, I'm not nearly as concerned about whether God is on our side as I'm concerned whether we are on God's side. Whether we're on God's side. I challenge you. I challenge you from the time that you leave here and from the next day, for the next minute, you need to define whose side you're on. Because if you find yourself leaning to the left or you find yourself leaning to the right, God might be just telling you that you shouldn't be leaning left or right. You should be looking at me. I'm telling you that everything is a setup to drive you towards him every trial that you have, everything that seems like an obstacle is all creating attention, so to speak, attention so that you would be driven to your knees so you would lift him up and he would become bigger in your life and the problems would become smaller. Amen? Can I get amen? So um, <laughs> I put on my notes, I said, why am I here? And I began to think about this, and that once I was invited, I, I had spoken some time ago, and I spoke about the young adults, and I, thought, I spoke about how important they are in this next move, and who you really are. And I'm not really sure that you know who you really are. In my generation, we've been running a, a religious race. We have been, we've gotten really good at Christianese sayings. We've got really good at telling you, well, the Bible says, and we've gotten really good at telling you, well, this scripture says this, and this scripture says that. And I'm, I've learned that this generation doesn't want to hear that. They want to see a demonstration of God's power working in the people of God. Because I'm going to tell you something. If you go to the dark side of witchcraft and horoscopes, you see a demonstration of power. And that's what's drawing this generation. And not the people of God that are not drawing this generation towards God. The people, this generation wants real. And I'm for you because I, as a military guy, I want real. And so when you, don't, when, you, when you don't get real, you're like, man, this stuff must be counterfeit. I'm out of here. They're talking about Jesus, but I don't see any power or demonstration of the love of Jesus Christ. I don't see any power and demonstration of the healings, the signs, the wonders, the miraculous. I've read my Bible, and I'm telling you right now, I get so excited when I read that, but Lord, where's the power? Where's the demonstration? Paul said in his scripture, he said, I didn't come in uh, eloquent words, words to pump you up. I came with a demonstration of power. I'm telling you right now, the time is coming and now is. The time is coming that this generation will want to walk in that power. But here's the one thing that I want to tell you about my generation. We need to orchestrate the proper handoff 
to the, this generation. And what that means is that I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna hand off a dead thing. I'm not gonna hand off something that is not working for you. I'm not gonna hand off something that you haven't seen and says, I know that this is real. I know the power in which they speak about is real. I know the love that they speak about is real. Are you still with me? Are, amen, are you guys still with me? Amen. Listen, if you're not ready to fight or push back darkness, it'll overtake you. Casual Christians will become casualties in this last day. Casual Christianity will become casualties in this last day because now the curtain has been pulled back on darkness and also the curtain's been pulled back on the light. There is no gray area. You're either in or you're out. And I'm telling you right now, if you are teeter-tottering on the fence of knowing of what Christianity really is, now's the time that we need to dig in to Christianity. Amen? So anyway, so, so let, me, let me do something that I, I feel that I was like, Lord, um, what is something that um, I need to tell them? And these are the things that have come, uh, come to me that you need to, to understand. Um, you need to stay in prayer. You need to be, b- begin to intercede on the half of the saints. You have been fully persuaded. It's my cause to die for this thing. You know, in the scriptures, I, we see that the, the, the uh, apostles or apostles, I was gonna say disciples or apostles, they were willing to die for the cause. And I'm not really sure if we really understand what that means. Some people go, well, he's the lion and he's the lamb. And a lot of people got picture of Jesus as a lamb, but he's also the lion. And I'm, the lion does not have a problem with you dying for Christianity to, to advance. I'm just telling you, he does not have a problem with Christians dying to advance the kingdom. And the reason being is that at the end of the day, you know where you're going. You are secure in him. So when you die, it's, in a, it's, a, it's a graduation. It's a graduation. So I'm, I'm looking for or I'm talking to those who are willing to die for the cause of Jesus Christ. Because in this hour, he's looking for the remnant. He's looking for the young people to rise up, take the baton, or what I would say, the torch that has the flame and say, Lord, I'm willing to die for the cause. Amen? Amen. How do you develop the cause? How do you develop? How do you know? How do you get grounded? You know, um, for a long time, um, I spent about 24 years in the Air Force. I'm about 30 years removed. And when I went, or 30 years ago is when I went in. When I went into the military, I didn't know a lot. I wasn't very disciplined. And so when I went into the military, the very first thing that they did was they shaved off all my hair. And so if you have identity in your hair, guess what? You don't have any more identity, right? They stripped all your clothes and put you all on the same uniform. So we were all the same. We were all dressed the same. So no one could look at anybody else and see that we were, they were different. So we were all dressed alike. And then the next thing that they did was we began to march together as an, in an army. We began to learn how to keep in step. We became very unified. And so after, the, after going through basic training, the, the very next major, I call it, obstacle in my life is that they sent us to survival school. And that's up in Washington. And when, when they sent me up to survival school in Washington, they replicated being captured by the enemy. So I'm in the military. I'm, I'm out there in the woods. And just, I mean, I know this sounds funny, but brothers don't normally go camping. 
And so I'm out in the woods and I'm thinking to myself, how in the world did I get here? And so I'm out in the woods, I'm, 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 I'm being chased by the enemy and, and the enemy looks real. I'm hearing, I'm hearing people walking through woods, I'm hiding and everything. And they've told me that, um, you know, Stephen, you've been in the military, you've got to remember um, what, you, what your, um, what your, um, your, your, your oath was for the military. I'll read it to you and you, you keep this in mind. I, Stephen Bishop, do solemnly swear and affirm that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear oath and true faith and allegiance to the same, and that I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed over me according to the regulations and the uh, in the uniform code of military justice, so help me God. I said that when I came through the doors, right? And so now I'm being chased by the enemy. Let me fast forward to what happens. So I'm getting chased by the enemy and now I'm in a POW camp, simulated but very, very real. I'm standing up in this two by four um, little uh, 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 closet looking thing and they've got me in there, they've got a little peephole and they say, if you go to sleep, you're gonna be there and they just pour ice cold water on you. It's, it's very nasty situation. So then they pull me out of this box and I'm very sleep deprived and they pull me out of this, uh, this box and they come in and they start interrogating me. And they start asking me stuff about my mission, about my people, and all of these bunch of things. And I, I'm in my mind, and I'm trying to think, and trust me, I'm going somewhere with this, because we're talking about the building of a cause. So while they were asking me these questions, something else popped up in my head, and I want to read it to you. It says something like this, I am an American fighting for the forces which guard my country and our way of life. I am prepared to give my life for their defense. I will never surrender on my own free will. If in command, I will never surrender the members of my command while they still have, while they still have a means to resist. And Article 3 says this, if I'm captured, which I now am, I will continue to resist by all means available. I will make every effort to escape and aid others to escape. I will accept neither parole nor special favors from the enemy. Article number 4 says this, if I become a prisoner of war, I will keep faith with my fellow prisoners. I will, ne I will give no information or take part in the action which might be harmful to my comrades. If I'm a senior, I will take command. If not, I will obey the lawful orders of those appointed over me, and I will back them in all in every way. When questioned, should I become a prisoner of war, I am only required to give my name, my rank, my service number, and my date of birth. I will evade answering further questions to the utmost of my ability, and I will make no oral or written statements disloyal to my country or its allies or harmful their cause, harm, harm their cause. And the last one says this, I will never forget that I'm an American fighting for the freedom, responsibilities of my actions, and dedicated to the principles which made my country free. I will trust in my God in the United States of America. I'm sitting in front of the interrogator. I'm cold, I'm tired, my eyes are burning and they begin to unravel me. And um, I remembered what I told them that I would do. And I began to fall apart. And when I began to fall apart, I, I heard these soldiers in the background, one woman being tortured uh, with 
uh, ice water and, 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 and out of an, in zero temperature. And you're thinking, how can this be so? And he said, if you won't talk, then we'll just, we'll just make it worse for her. I was so broken. But I learned, and if you heard in my uh, reading of those articles, Christ is asking the same thing of us. And when we go into battle against the enemy, he's asking, will we be fully persuaded? I told my mom when I left and I went to my first uh, campaign or to war and during Desert Storm, and I told my mom, I said, if I die in the battle, you tell them I willingly went because I had become fully persuaded. I'm asking you today, are you fully persuaded for Jesus? Are you willing to die for the cause of Jesus? Because as, as we come into this next uh, era with the Holy Spirit and what's going on in the earth, he's looking for the dedication of the people who are called by his name. He's looking for the people who would say, send me, Lord, I'll go. I'm just, I know this seems very serious because it is. You in this room are called to be the remnant rising. You are called to be the voice that stands up at the city center and go, it's all for Jesus. You're the ones that are called to preach the gospel and witness on the street corners. You're the ones that are called not to be silent in your mass group, but be the ones that stand up for Jesus when Jesus is not being preached. I'm just asking, are you fully persuaded? And if you're not, it might, you might just need to have a confrontation with yourself, asking yourself, why? Lord, why have I not totally bought into this? Do you believe what you've read in the Bible? Is he who he says he is? Have you witnessed and seen a display of his power. I mean, every Easter we talk about it. Every Easter we talk about it. Is it just a story or is it real? I read in the doctrine of the school, I read in the belief system that the word is the word and every word in there we believe. My question is the cause. This scripture says in 2 Timothy 1 and 2, it says this, it says, I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. You see, those are the words of a dying man, Paul. And the apostle Paul was addressing his pupil. He was talking to Timothy, the young minister in training. Timothy later in the same letter, Paul confines it to Timothy these difficult words. I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. 
What is being fully persuaded? Quick definition so that we're still on the same sheet of music. It says this, it is a highly developed faith. It's it, the kind that cannot be moved, that always takes the victory. It takes possession of everything that grace has made available and doesn't leave anything on the table. When you find out what it means to be fully persuaded and what it takes to stay that way, your whole life will change. When you look past the circumstances, can I say this? Circumstances are a setup for God to display his power on your behalf. Circumstances are a setup for God to display his power on your behalf. A lot of times we feel like the, the enemy is always attacking me. He's always doing this. We give too much credit to Satan. It's a setup to develop you to look more like him. And when you do, you start looking at those confrontations or circumstances a different way. You remember the scripture where it says, it was good that I was afflicted. Ask me this, whoever says that, it's good that I was afflicted. I'll tell you the one who says that, it's the ones who have been fully persuaded that know that, oh, this is a setup, Lord, for you to come in and do what only you can do. And we look and we start to almost laugh or smile because we know we're about to grow in him. Amen, can I get amen? Are you still there? They told me I've got a few more minutes. I'm gonna make a couple more statements and then, I'm gonna, uh, and then we'll, we'll do some closing, okay? The statement is take God at his word and obey without hesitancy. You will activate fully persuaded faith and see manifested victory every day. You see, heaven doesn't know any defeat. They've not taken an L for anybody. And so the problem is, is that we think when we go on the behalf of the Lord, it's up to us for the victory. But really, if I could free you for one second and say this, the victory is his. It's his, to, it's his to take. All he's asking you to do is, in Ephesians, it says to stand. And having done all, to stand. He's trying to develop us for this, uh, this, this next move of the enemy. But I don't know about you, but I read the end of my Bible. And guess who wins? We do. You know, when, when the Lord speaks in a prophetic way like that, then we should not be worrying. This is our time where we should be out on the streets giving people hope. We should become hope dealers. We should be telling people about this Jesus because the last time I checked, the gospel is still the good news. And if you don't think that it is or maybe that you have forgotten, then maybe it might be time for us to re-evangelize ourselves and ask ourselves, why is it or is it not still the good news? And if it's such a good news, then I shouldn't be able to hold on to it. It should be leaping out of my mouth. If you talk to me on a regular basis, it doesn't matter what conversation we have. If we're talking about triumphs and, and motorcycles, if we're talking about Chevy Nova 2s, or if we're talking about blues harmonica, if we're talking about, and these are all the things that, that are, are, I, I, I like, no matter what conversation you talk to me about, it always goes back 
to who he is. It always goes back to who he is. There's nothing else in my life that matters more than that. And I love my wife, but Jesus means more to me than my wife. And I love my babies, but Jesus means more than that uh, to me. Amen? Are you still with me? So faith is not a movement. True faith will never go away. It, 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 it's, some, it's a substance. It's, it's something that you get and we go from faith to faith. When you lean in on Jesus and he answers, you get stronger. And the next time you lean in on Jesus and, some, and, and he comes through, you get stronger again. And sometimes your faith will be greater than the people that you're around. And they might lean on your faith because they don't have enough of their own. But that's okay. That's okay because he's building them up. And so we, when we're fully persuaded and we, our mind has shifted and your, your, your language will change. Someone goes, how's your day? Oh, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Why is it wonderful? Because my life's not over. If I woke up this morning, like I asked you, why'd you get up this morning? I know he still has a plan for me. And I know that the things that he has planned for me is for good and not evil. And I know that the plans that he has for me is to advance this kingdom that he has left to advance here on the earth. Amen? Is this too intense? Do I need to calm down? Do I need to tell some jokes? I, I'm, I'm a pretty good joke teller. I'm, I'm a pretty good joke teller. Uh, well, if, if compared to my wife, my wife always says, you know, she's a good joke teller, but don't tell her. She probably won't watch this. But um, you know how people tell jokes and they, get, they laugh so hard before they get to the punchline? And you go, I, I'm, not, I'm not there yet. I mean, like you're, they're, they're laughing and you're like, you're, wait, you're waiting for it? She's kind of tell, a joke teller like that. But, you know, for me, I, I can hold it. I can kind of pretty, pretty much hold a straight face to that. So let's finish. Fear tends to create resistance and resistance slows down the speed of trust. Fear tends to create resistance and resistance slows down the speed of trust. What happens when a bunch of lawbreakers get together? Pastor Stephen, what do you mean by lawbreakers? Out of your mouth flows blessings and curses. Or blessings and curses. You are currently living the life that you're speaking. If you don't believe me, go back and review what you've said. You're living. The reason why you're here is you said, I'm going to college. And everything fell in line for you to get there. Spiritual lawbreakers call those things that are not as though they were not according to what we think, but what he said. And then when we do that, we begin to set the atmosphere of where we are. The atmosphere always changes when a true believer walks in and knows that they're carrying the presence of the most high God. I remember in the scriptures where he said, the kingdom has come near you. That's how important we are. That's how important you are. You should be commanding the atmosphere. When you walk into a room and the tension is there, you're going to release the peace and things calm down. You've noticed it. You've walked in a room and somebody walked in, in a, with a bad attitude and next thing you know, everybody else is arguing and talking about each other. You're like, what just happened here? 
They came in, there was more of the enemy in them than Jesus in you. But when you're commanding the atmosphere, when you're releasing Jesus, things begin to shift for you. Amen? Let's close with this. And I'm, I'm out of time, but I'm not gonna leave this place until I say this. Romans 8, 19. You, are you familiar with Romans 8, 19? It says something like this. It says, I am convinced that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory that is about to be unveiled within us. The entire universe is standing on its tippy toe, yearning to see the unveiling of the glorious sons and daughters. For against it will the universe itself has had to endure the empty futility resulting from the consequences of human sin. But now we eagerly, eagerly wait in expectation. All creation longs for the freedom from its slavery uh, to decay and to the experience with us, the wonderful freedom coming to God's children. Let me paraphrase this. All of creation is waiting for the sons and daughters to walk into who they really are. See, when we fell, creation fell at the same time. They knew the former glory. Somehow in the way that we've been walking, we forgot who we are. Jesus didn't come just to send you to heaven. Jesus came to restore your image so that you knew who you were, so you could take over this world. The kingdom will advance with or without you. It is a force multiplier. You can't stop it. So with that, I want to close. I know I've said close a couple of times. That's normally what pastors do. I'm sorry. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for everyone that came in expectation, expecting to hear your Holy Spirit speak to their hearts. Lord, I pray that the, fully, the fullness of their persuasion, God, would shift, God. Where they are teeter-tottering on the fence, God, they would plant their foot, God, and step into what you have for them. Lord, this is only the beginning. You will use everything that you created them to be to accomplish your mission, Lord. I pray tonight, God, if they've not made a decision, God, tonight will be the night that they become fully persuaded, persuaded for you. And Lord, those who are fully persuaded would encourage the brothers and sisters that are not and tell them about your goodness of who you are. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said,